The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Michigan Radio. Remember, this election, you have important choices to make up and down the ballot. Besides the presidential contest, there are decisions to make on statewide offices, ballot proposals, and local races. And Michigan Radio and NPR can help with accurate information and nuanced perspectives on the issues. It's your state and your vote. Be informed with Michigan Radio, Michigan's NPR news leader. And you can find out a lot more at michiganradio.org. And this is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with me on this uh, Wednesday. It's already Wednesday this week. Time is flying indeed as we uh, get ready for election season here. But I'm really excited today to talk about something that is not not dealing with the election. Uh, How about let's talk about the arts and cultural landscape here in the city of Detroit, specifically MOCAD, the Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit. I have watched this institution uh, be formed and grow and uh, go through some significant issues this past uh, several months. And joining me right now to talk a little bit about where MOCAD stands right now is Elise Fulton, who, of course, is the board chair at MOCAD. Elise, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you with me today. Good morning, Craig. I'm delighted to be part of the show today. Thank you. Well, like I said, this has been a a really eye-opening several months for MOCAD. Uh, You, of course, had, let's call it what it was, really, an uprising from a number of employees and and former interns at at MOCAD that were demanding change in leadership at the institution, suggesting that somehow uh, that it had strayed from its roots a a little bit. And and as a board, I don't know how much that took you by surprise, or was this something that uh, you could sense was bubbling up out there? I would say that it it did take us by surprise. Um, We had, historically, we've had great um, feedback from the community, uh, at least directly to the board and to others that are um, board members. Uh, We've only heard great feedback, so it's very surprising to us, but we're receptive to change. We really viewed this as an opportunity. When, When a lot of people tell you something, you better listen. It's really important to listen. So I would say that the last few months have really provided us with a um, an opportunity just to listen to what all different parties are saying, listen to what the community is saying, listen to what employees are saying, listen to what artists are saying, and really reflect on how are we delivering on our mission. And, and MOCAD has had a, a mission for a long time to use art as a vehicle for change in the community, um, not just to see beautiful art, but to use art as a, something that gets different types of people talking and and conversing, diverse people, curious people, speaking about things that might ordinarily not speak with each other about. And so we've used this really as an opportunity to get very much back to our roots and just listening to what those in the community are saying. And it's been uh, a great opportunity to learn and reflect on how we are moving forward. Well, and I don't want to suggest that MOCAD is in this by themselves. There are a number of, especially arts institutions across the country and here in the city of Detroit, that are going through a similar sort of introspection right now, taking a look at how employees are dealt with, uh, the way that their art uh, is presenting things. It's, it's a wholesale sort of look at a lot of aspects of, of American culture and the way that we have dealt with marginalized populations. And, and why do you think it's starting within the arts community more so than it is, say, in the corporate world? Well, I believe that's been bubbling in the corporate world as well. But I think in the arts community, perhaps it's because arts people that are involved in the arts in general are people that want, that do want to bring different voices together. And so perhaps there's a greater receptivity 
to the conversation. I would say in the case of MOCAD, I think that although it is hitting other museums in our own community, in the case of MOCAD, I think um, those, that, those that spoke with us felt that we are just the perfect size, really the right size to move forward with change if we wanted to make changes. Is that other organizations that are much bigger than us might take a long time to turn around that, you know, that ship. But for, for MOCAD, we're much more nimble given our size, you know, that we're much smaller uh, and that we're younger uh, as an organization. So I think we're much, we're much more perfectly sized to start things rolling. And in fact, we've done that at a really great speed, I think. Well, and I wanted to get to that because it's not like MOCAD waited around and hoped that this would all get swept under the rug. It, it seems as if you took this head on. Uh, you hired somebody to take a look at the organization, what was happening within the organization. You made a change, a pretty significant change at the top of the organization. Uh, and also you, you've taken additional steps to bring back some people that were there, reshuffle the board a little bit uh, to bring some, some community representatives on. Uh, were, was there ever sort of a thought process that said, well, maybe this will just go away, or did you realize you needed to take it head on? I think, <clears throat> I think that we realized from the very beginning, you got to take it head on. I mean, it wasn't as if it was one or, you know, if, as if there were one or two people telling us that we've gone awry. There were a lot of people and um, just opened up our eyes and opened up our ears and listened. And we didn't want to react without, following a process and making sure that we're doing things in a very, very thoughtful way and making good decisions. And so a lot of the decisions we've made as a board at a museum has engaged others throughout the community, asking them for their input, what they think. I think that that's been very helpful for us is to get the input of artists, of foundations, of other art museums, other cultural institutions and get feedback and what how they are handling their own organizations. And not only within our community, I should say, I've reached out to people throughout the country um, trying to get input on things. And I think we've really followed a process. We didn't knee-jerk react to anything. Uh, as you said, we hired, a, you know, we hired an organization to take a look at what we were doing, a third, an independent organization. And then we engaged with others asking what we could do better. Um, I had, we've had, uh, I and other members of the board have had direct conversations with those that were critical of MOCAD, and I think that proved to be very, very constructive for us. And um, I think it's been exciting as we move forward. You're, you're correct. Um, we have brought back some people who were formerly with the museum. We brought back um, our Suzanne Feld Hilbury, uh, senior curator, Jova Lynn. And Joe was with us for a number of years. She started first as a curatorial fellow and then became our senior curator. Um, she left in, I would say it must have been May, and we brought. she was the first person I reached out to bring back. Um, I, I thought, and, and other members of the board and the community had always felt that she was a very bright, uh, creative, thoughtful person, and we were sorry to see her go and thrilled to have her back. And I have to tell you, she's been with us, been back with us for a couple months now, maybe just under a couple months. And she has hit the ground running. It's been so exciting um, to see that happen, to see it even you know, firsthand happen and witness her heightened enthusiasm for the organization. You know, she was one of the people that were, that was at the top of those criticizing us. Um, 
And to know that she was willing to move forward with us was very, affirm was very affirming to me and to the organization. And I think she's been very, you know, I just spoke with her last night and I think she's taken a lot of pride in the direction in which we're moving. We also brought back um, an another curatorial fellow, his name is Massio, and um, he just rejoined us. Uh, thrilled to have him back. He was from California, moved to Detroit, specifically to be part of the curatorial fellow program. Um, was mo moved out of the organization and now has come back and we're, we're thrilled to have him. I would say that what's also very exciting when I think about staff is not only have we brought back some people, and there will be more people joining us at MOCAD still to come. Um, but what I find perhaps most exciting is we're promoting from within, that there are people that have been with the organization that feel so committed to MOCAD that they want to grow with us and want to be a part of the growth. So in a, in a few weeks, I'll be announcing that we're moving um, somebody up from a membership role to be working in the development team with us. And that's exciting too. You know, nothing is better, I think, for an organization, for staff to see promotions from within. And I think bringing somebody into development will also be a sign that we're there, we're moving forward. We haven't given up the ship at all. We're still planning on growing this organization as we are. Well, I mean, obviously this is a challenging time for anybody in the development world right now, given what's going on with COVID. And, and the timing of all this has is, is had to have been incredibly difficult uh, to navigate just in that no, no board likes to see instability there. Uh, you were able to attract a, a couple of new members to the board with some serious bona fides uh, that, that decided to sign on at a time. So it sends a good signal to everybody that you're, you know, able to get people like Dr. Charles Boyd and, and Laura Hughes to, to sign on uh, to help with this. They have a lot of, of uh, standing in the community. And, and it seems to me that that's going to help you guys at a time when a lot of people were wondering what direction the organization was going to go in. I certainly expect that'll help us. And, I, and you're right, it does affirm that people have confidence in MOCAD. And Laura and Dr. Boyd, have both taken on very serious roles within the organization. Um, Dr. Boyd is on the nominating committee and um, both Dr. Boyd and Laura have just joined our executive committee. And I couldn't be happier about that than to have their voice. They're both brilliant people in the community um, and dedicated to the community, thought, very thoughtful in the way um, that they consider whatever we're, we're discussing. And I think they're going to bring a wonderful, wonderful new voices to our board, uh, to our executive committee. And we're looking forward to adding additional members to the board as well that provides a more diverse um, voice. And to that end, we've also decided to, um, to get voices, to hear the voice of others better by creating new committees that will be branches of the board. We've decided to create three new committees. One is to enable us to hear the voice of youth in our community better. Uh, we're starting what's called a youth advisory board. I don't know that that's going to be its official name, but that's basically what it is. It will be comprised of a board member um, or two that are particularly interested in youth. Um, some people that are staffers that are involved with the youth programs now. And then we're actually going to look for members of the community, teens uh, or high, you know, high school students uh, that will represent those in the community. We're hoping to start out with a handful of of. Um, teenagers from the community and grow it into a larger board so we can really hear that voice more regularly. So through, by having a board member on that committee, receiving notes from that committee, and by having that committee uh, present to the board, you know, once or twice a year, I think will really put us in much greater touch with the community, 
uh, that we're serving with the youth that we're serving in the city, in the Detroit metropolitan area. We're also creating an exhibitions committee so that it's, it, although we certainly will have a curator, you know, we do have a curator, we will have several curators. Um, this will enable us to have the opportunity to hear the voice of artists and art lovers in the community itself. So to get more of a voice um, speaking to our curators. It might not define exactly which exhibitions we bring in the future, but it will certainly provide um, a more thorough assessment of, of different perspectives. And then finally, we're going to be starting a community engagement program, which will actually have, again, a board member, staffer, and people from the community that are really just meeting regularly to talk about how could MOCAD serve the community better. And that's really what we strive to do is to continue to serve the met you know, metropolitan Detroit area better than we have in the past. I think we've done an extraordinary job historically of providing diverse um, exhibitions and diverse programming. But I think this is the next step for MOCAD and really more fully engaging with the community. Well, I should remind folks, my guest right now is Elise Fulton. She is the board chair at MOCAD, the Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit. We're talking about some new appointments that have been made there and some changes being made at MOCAD going forward. Uh, one of the things that I was excited about was that you were able to uh, salvage uh, the exhibition uh, Crimes Against Reality that was uh, being put forth by the artist collective New Red Order. When all of this started going down with MOCAD, they decided to hold back uh, on the display and, and they decided to come back to the table now that you've made some of the changes that you're talking about and then you've addressed a lot of the issues there. Uh, this is an important exhibit, and I think it's 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 better late than never, I suppose, uh, especially, you know, hey, maybe it's a better time to do this now than it might have been when it was originally scheduled to go anyway, just because of COVID and everything else. Uh, but tell me a little bit about how excited you are with this, because frankly, uh, this is a group of artists and, and frankly, art that, you know, has been really underrepresented, not just here, but just uh, in the nation as a whole. Well, to start, the show is extraordinary. And if you haven't seen it, you've got to come down it's, to MoCAD. It opened it. just a few days ago, I should remind folks. Yes, and it is open through uh, mid-January. Uh, that is, as, as you mentioned, the New Red Order. It's um, a group of indigenous artists, uh, Crimes Against Reality. We also have two other shows, exhibitions up right now that are by people of color. We've got Conrad Edgar, uh, who is a, lo a local Detroit artist. And his work is remarkable. And Peter Williams, who's also a person of color, and his work is, is remarkable. So it's, it's a wonderful complement of um, shows right now. Uh, and I couldn't tell you how excited I am that, that the New Red Order agreed to open their show. Um, to start, I saw it while it was being installed, which was, it was being installed before, um, before July. And so I saw little parts of it. I never saw, a lot of it is video. So I saw parts of it being put up and I thought then, oh my God, this is really gonna be, this is really gonna be an impactful show. And then it didn't go up as, as you mentioned. And I think that the conversations and the experience between us with New Red Order was really demonstrative of what art can do in, a, in the world. I mean, I know that sounds, um, maybe that sounds bigger than it is, but I'm just telling you the fact that through art, um, change is able to be made. That, that's, pretty, that's pretty significant. It means that art really you know, has proven to not only provide um, a really provocative show and glimpse at other, that the lives of others and the perspectives of others, but it has also changed the way we're running an organization, changed our thought in, in many ways. 
Well, one of the things that you've also done, and, and I've seen this something that, uh, you know, I had not seen a whole lot of before, but we're starting to see a lot more of it, especially again in the art world. Uh, you know, you've got a land acknowledgement uh, practice uh, that you have put into place here. And this is something that you're working on. And again, you're, you're looking to support a local indigenous community council, among other things, uh, that, that coordinates nicely with the exhibit that is there currently. But, but why was this an important step for the museum to take? Well, to start, it was, it was really something that was imperative to the, to the New Red Order. Um, and I'm embarrassed to say that until they brought this up to us, I wasn't even familiar with land acknowledgement. I don't think most people were. So uh, that was the very beginning of this whole learning process, for me at least, and I think for others that were involved with them, is just learning about what this acknowledgement is and why it's so important to this group of peoples and what is it really saying? Um, so we will be identifying, we will be having a ceremony. I don't think the date's been announced just yet. Having a ceremony called the Land Acknowledgement where we identify um, the tribes that once lived in where Moquette is right now. We acknowledge that the land was taken from them, colonialized, if you will. And we acknowledge that they are still part of this land. And I, um, I've only read about this. I haven't seen a land acknowledgement, but I know that this is going to be very um, moving and a big statement for, uh, for Detroit that we're doing this. Oh, and, wow. this and this oh, council is remarkable too. We've, we've uh, put together this council with the help of the New Red Order, and they're going to help direct us in the future um, on ways in which we can continue to support the indigenous community in Detroit. So different programming, maybe you know, thoughts on different exhibitions, um, but it was very, the whole process of getting to these, getting these pieces together was really an extraordinary learning process uh, for me and for others I know. I mean, to understand as we were, as we were first talking about assembling um, <clears throat> this, this committee um, of indigenous peoples, I, you know, an example might be that I didn't realize how important it was that the specific tribes that these people represent was, was important, was critical to who's on that committee. So I would have initially thought, you know, people that are indigenous share same, you know, general perspective and can bring, you know, different ideas to the table. I didn't realize how important it was that we have to go back into the history and get the right representation of tribes there as well. So that's just one small way in which I've learned, and I think we've all learned through this process. And that's been really exciting to be part of that. And I, I can't wait to see what, what this committee develops. Uh, they've had a couple of meetings already, and I know that they're planning a meeting regularly to identify ways in which we can further support the indigenous community in Detroit. Well, Elise, one, one last question for you. And, and I mean, obviously, there's a lot of personal growth that comes along with an experience like this. And I don't necessarily want to dig into your psyche too much. Um, but I will ask you this question. You know, when you take a look at the level of cultural awareness that uh, that MoCAD is now suggesting is part of their mission going forward, uh, how does that dovetail with the original mission of MoCAD? I think it dovetails perfectly with the original mission. I think somehow we might have strayed away from the original mission over the course of the past few years. Um, not intentionally, but I think that somehow things got, got just moved off of, off, of our, off of our main vision. And that is to get, as I started at the onset of our conversation, to bring different types of people together to, you know, using art as a vehicle for conversation, for interaction, and providing a venue for exhibitions and performances that might not other otherwise be seen, might not otherwise have a venue. 
All right. Well, we'll have to leave it right there. We appreciate the time you've been able to give us today. We look forward uh, to seeing what happens at MoCAD in the future and glad that it was able to, to ride this through and, and uh, make some improvements on the other end. Elise Fulton, thank you very much for your time. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Come visit our shows. They're perfect right now. Thank you. Well, and it's right there on Woodward in Midtown Detroit. So you can't miss it. Uh, MoCAD right there at the corner of uh, Canfield. And um, well, it's, it's between Canfield and yeah, it's right there in Forest, right there on uh, on the east side of Woodward, uh, directly across from where my studios used to be at WDET. So like I said, been watching the place grow and, and change over the years. And uh, it's nice to see you coming out on the, on the right side of this. So exciting to move forward as a museum. Thank you. Elise Fulton is the board chair at the Museum of Contemporary Art Detroit. We appreciate her joining us today. Uh, like I said, the arts and cultural world uh, going through a lot of introspection these days when it comes to how they deal with cultural issues, cultural sensitivity, and frankly, the way that they present art. There's a big change in a wholesale uh, discussion going on right now about colonialism and how it impacts our presentation of art and the importance of said pieces. It's, it's something that I fascinated to watch unfold and it's uh, something that all the institutions across the country are dealing with right now so we appreciate that little discussion there today and we'll keep an eye on things and see how things are going uh also uh something to make you aware of tomorrow i do believe tim kiska is going to be joining me he of course is a uh, longtime uh, journalist in this town but he also is a pollster and one of the people that was watching the race uh, for president very closely in 2016 who thought that Michigan looked like it was going to go for Hillary Clinton. But of course, we saw what happened. Donald Trump ended up winning the state. Tim Kiska is going to be working for the Detroit Free Press again this year. We're going to talk to him tomorrow about how they're looking at polling differently this year, how they're looking at things, what they're going to be looking out for to see whether or not what the polls say is accurate and uh, when it's going to be time to actually call the race one way or the other. This is something a lot of us are worried about. A lot of us are looking at very, very carefully what's going to happen in this next election. And uh, we'll find out what lessons Tim has learned over the last four years and, and how he's going to uh, employ them this time around. So I always love talking to Tim Kiska. Looking forward to that conversation. A reminder, Friday, it is the week that was on Deadline Detroit. Really excited, I believe, this week. And I'm still nailing it down, but I've got Abdul El Sayed who's going to be joining us, of course, former candidate for governor here in the state of Michigan, and Nancy Kaffer from the Detroit Free Press should be joining us as well, as along with Alan and Nancy and myself. So it's going to be a lot of fun on Friday. Make sure you check that out uh, just before Halloween. And then on Monday, of course, uh, we'll have Michigan, Michigan State to talk about. We'll have the Lions to talk about and the election the next day. Wow, it's coming up. Finally, everybody's stressed out. I get this. But a quick reminder, one of the things that you can do to make sure that you are less stressed, that you are confident in your choices at the ballot box, because there are important choices to make up and down the ballot. Besides the presidential contest, again, you've got statewide offices, ballot proposals, congressional races, everything, local races, uh, the school board race in Gross Point is ridiculous to watch. I mean, there is so much going on out there. And the best way to deal with it is to make sure that you have accurate information about the issues and the candidates that are out there. Nuanced perspective, helping you understand that. And that's where Michigan Radio and NPR can help. It is your state, your vote. Be as informed as possible. Michigan Radio, Michigan's NPR news leader can help you understand the issues. They give you balance. They give you perspective. They give you depth that you're not getting when it's just horse race coverage somewhere else. NPR and Michigan Radio have been doing a fantastic job for decades 
at making sure that you are an informed voter. And if you're listening to this, I know you know the value of public radio. I know you do. And I've got friends at all the public radio stations here in the state. Michigan Radio does a fantastic job. Find out more at michiganradio.org. Thanks for listening today, everybody. Have a great one. We'll talk again tomorrow. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. Deadline Detroit has some of the best journalists in the city. We're asking you to support independent local journalism by joining our $3 a month membership. By joining, you become eligible to win prizes, including tickets for sporting events and gift cards to some of Detroit's best restaurants. Just go to our website and click the ad at the top or go to www.deadlinedetroit.com membership.